Hello, welcome to the HSP podcast. I'm Julie Bialen, the sensitivity psychotherapist. And today we have a special guest, Suki Baxter. And it, we're going to be talking about how to deal with anxiety while navigating chaos and uncertainty, which I think is going to be really important. So welcome, Suki. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. So for our listeners out there, Suki and I did uh, an event together for my sensitive empowerment community. And it was really, I mean, amazing. Suki is just filled with information and I really love how she explains things. And I mean, today we're going to be learning really important things about some tools about how to calm your nervous system and discharge stored stress, which is definitely something we need today. And I, I'm super excited to have you today. Well, thank you. I just love talking with you. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yay. So, wow, with everything going on in the world, this information is so important. And even the event we did before was about, um, it was actually titled Caring for Your Highly Sensitive Body, Avoiding Pain, Tension, and Stress When the World is Too Much. And that was even before we were going through what we're going through. So I think that uh, the listeners today are really going to feel a lot of benefit hearing you explain things and teaching us tools. And I'm just excited for them to hear you. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm curious kind of what you want to get into and where you'd like to jump off with this. I just, I think there's so much we could talk about with, um, obviously, the state of things in the entire world. I know, I know. And I, I like your, how you explain things and how you teach tools and your focus on things that can calm the nervous system, which is so important for people with a trait of high sensitivity. So if you, um, I guess it would just be great, like if you were imagining maybe even just teaching somebody about how can they kind of help themselves right now, considering the high anxiety and stress that people are feeling right now. Yeah. Well, I think it's a really interesting time. Um, and I think that what we're seeing happening with a lot of people, what I've observed just kind of, um, you know, through the window of social media, because I'm not out <laughs> with people, but in the, in the conversations I've had digitally, um, and in talking to friends and family members, uh, and clients and, and all kinds of other people in the communities that I'm in, I've really seen that the, the situation that we're in with the coronavirus has shown us that, um, you know, what we see as a really stable world is not as stable as we thought. And, and people have a lot of anxiety around that because we tend to, um, we tend to attach our, our level of calm or our level of like regularity or internal regulation to our external circumstances quite a bit. And feeling like you don't have any control triggers a lot of anxiety. So I think one of the first things that I would talk or that I would tell somebody if I were talking to them about what's going on right now, and really honestly, if I were talking to anybody, even in a more neutral uh, situation in, where the world isn't quite as chaotic, is that it's important to, to recognize that you're really uncomfortable and to be okay with being really uncomfortable. And I think that that is a skill 
that a lot of people really struggle with. And it is particularly difficult for um, HSPs because HSPs feel everything in, in a magnified way. So that discomfort feels really, really real. And it feels like it's a legitimate threat to survival. Um, but the, the idea that uh, we have control over external circumstances is just an illusion. So I think that's the first thing that I would acknowledge, or that I would say is to acknowledge that. And I see a lot of, of conversation going on in social media and in the digital sphere around, uh, and I'm sure you've seen this graphic, a lot of people have been talking about this graphic of like the, the levels of, um, like, I don't know, emotional regulation around the, the coronavirus and this blue graphic with these like different stages that people move through. And I've seen a lot of people who love it and a lot of people who criticize it. Um, but nevertheless, there's been a lot of conversation around like, well, just think positive and look at the opportunities and, you know, look at the silver lining and, um, you know, all like kind of the positivity washing side of things. And I think that it's really important to acknowledge the anxiety that, that we feel and to be in a place where we are uh, being honest about feeling out of control, feeling uncomfortable and feeling anxious, if that is where, what you're feeling. Um, because if we don't first acknowledge those things, then what happens is we create dissonance within our bodies. Um, and because your, your body on a neurological, biological level feels fear and stress, and you're trying to override that with thoughts, which is why I call it positivity washing. Because like, you're just kind of putting a patina over the top of all of this anxiety that you're feeling in your body. And what happens is that, it, like I said, it creates dissonance in your body, which then is what results in the pain and stress and tension that we start to feel uh, in our necks and shoulders, um, back pain. It lights up all of our neural pathways because your brain is like something is really wrong here and it starts to sound that pain alarm because when something, when, you're, when your nervous system feels like something is really wrong, pain is one of the ways that it tries to get your attention. I love that positivity washing. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. And, and just for our listeners that are new to learning about you, Suki, um, you're a posture and movement specialist, founder of Whole Body Revolution, author of Perfect Posture for Life. You, you do a lot of really amazing things with um, connecting the nervous system and the body and how it impacts us. And I love that um, your, your, your level of knowledge is so high. So I, I really hope that our listeners are really going to benefit from you today, which I'm sure they will, because you have such a great, um, your, your ability. I've always said this to your ability to explain things. I think HSPs really love it because of how you can kind of dive down deep into explaining why we're feeling something, what we can do to support ourselves through it. I, I think it's so important and I love your work in general. Oh, thank you so much. That's really good to hear. I'm definitely a person, you know, I'm like that little kid who's like, but why? But yeah. why? Like I'm always, that's, you know, I really like to drill things down because I don't, I don't take things at face value. Um, and when I kind of see a, a pattern forming, I really like to go, okay, but why? And then I find like the next level and I'm like, okay, but what's underneath that? So I'm, I, that's kind of always what I'm doing in my work and it's never ending, um, <laughs> because we don't know everything. Uh, but that's what makes it so fascinating is that I really get the opportunity to 
dive in, you know, really using our physical experience, it's the portal for me to really dive into the depth of the human experience and really what it means to be alive and here and living in a body, which, you know, is something that HSPs are really connected to because their bodies, our body, I'm an HSP too, so our bodies are, um, are so sensitized and we're pulling in so much data. So I think that we have um, almost like a louder experience or a, a, you know, a stronger connection to that. So it's, it's so fun to talk with other HSPs. Yeah, I love talking to you. And I have to tell you, I don't think I even told you this, that you had, you, I think it was maybe on, um, I don't know if it was your Facebook page or something, but you had recommended, you, you were talking about beds and I, I actually got the bed that you recommended. I got the stool that you recommended and my back is so much better. I didn't even have a chance to tell you this. So you have such good, <laughs> good recommendations that I recommend people go and check out your, your site and everything that you share. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. I'm so that like makes me so excited. So, <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad. I'm such like a research nerd too. So yeah, I you know I love um I love looking stuff up and learning about everything. I'm just one of those people. Yeah, and you share it. I mean, that's what's so beautiful about what you're doing. You're helping so many people. I mean, um, and I think the whys. I've always been like that too. I think that's such an HSP thing. We want to understand why. And I, I and I believe, and you must see this in your work all the time. That when we understand the why behind something, it makes us want to do it more, right? Yeah, and it makes it so much more efficient. And that's actually a big piece of the work that I do. And I'm really focusing in on that in my work right now because you know people, pain is kind of like the the portal. It's like the entry point that people have, because usually people don't take action on, you know, healing their bodies or really doing embodied practices until they're experiencing some discomfort. It's pretty normal, right? Like if everything's fine, you're not really looking for a solution. So once people are experiencing pain, they go looking for a solution. But a lot of times, you know, 99.9% of the solutions that you see out there in our modern world are based on a faulty model of pain and a faulty, a faulty understanding of how um, muscle tension and works, you know, how your human body works. And they leave out huge chunks of what's really going on at the biological level. And so when people then understand what's happening in the neurology and, and what's happening, you know, what the, the function of pain is in their body, then the solution becomes a lot clearer, right? Then we're not wasting a bunch of effort um, doing things that don't work. And we're not kind of operating from this faulty model, which leaves us on the hamster wheel of just kind of, you know, doing things that don't work and you get a little bit of temporary relief and then the issue comes back. So I think understanding what's happening and understanding the fundamentals of things is so critical um, in getting actual results. And I think that's true in pretty much every area of anyone's life. Yeah. And and a lot of people don't necessarily make the connection that like the high levels of stress and anxiety you might be feeling and, and how it's impacting your body, how, how it's impacting pain levels, you know, like um, if my stress is really high, I can, I will get back pain. And that's, you know, I see that in my clients too. It's like so fascinating. They'll show up and they're like, oh, my back is really hurting right now. And I always know that means their stress levels are too high. So we have to work on that part. And I love that you're connecting that because especially with what's going on right now, I think um, for HSPs, chronic conditions can um, worsen. They can actually develop because of uh, the stress and anxiety that we're experiencing and, and your connection with that 
and how you're teaching that is so valuable right now. Yeah, I think I think that's such a good point. And that's, you know, to my point about a faulty model, you know, we assume or I would say it culture at large, right? Medical culture at large kind of has this paradigm where if your back hurts, they're looking for an issue in your back. And there may be one, right? Like pain can indicate an injury. It can indicate a broken bone or a torn muscle, or, you know, if someone cuts you, you know, it should hurt. That's what's supposed to happen. But a lot of what we're seeing, particularly with chronic pain and HSPs are going to be um, not necessarily chronic, but they may experience pain that is more of this type, is neurological dysregulation. And Lorimer Mosley, who is a, a pain scientist, says that uh, pain is not an indication of tissue health. And I really like that statement because it's really true that just because you have pain doesn't mean the issue is in your back or in your leg or in your knee or wherever. Um, and people will have old injuries. Well, if you have had an injury, you are more likely to feel pain in that area because you've developed the pain pathways, the neural pathways for pain. And those neural pathways are permanent. They never go away. So it's like a road. It's always available for you to drive on. It doesn't mean you're going to take that road, but in times of stress, you're probably going to be on that road. And people tend to think, well, I had this injury 10 years ago. And ever since then, you know, I've had back pain or I've had knee pain or hip pain or whatever the pain is. And it's related to that injury. Well, if the injury has healed, it probably has nothing to do with the actual injury. It has to do with the neural pathways of pain that you've developed. And so what we need to do then is shift to towards developing neural pathways that are more uh, predominant than those pain pathways that are not pain centric. And so that's, it's a whole different understanding of how things are working in the body. Mm, yes. Yes. I love this. It's so connected. I know even I notice with my partner, if um, she'll have kind of like old injuries start to impact her and I'll see her like limping around. And every single time I'm like, okay, I know that the, I know stress levels are getting too high because as soon as that happens, I see she starts limping. <laughs> and then when, pain, when the stress levels go down, the limping goes away. It's so amazing how much it's connected. Yeah. And I see it in a lot of my clients too, when they go on vacation, right? And they're like, oh, I went on vacation. My neck pain went away. It's just because I'm not sitting in front of a computer all the time. And I'm like, really? Is it the computer or is it that you're not stressed about your job and your work and whatever other life stresses are kind of never ending for all of us. Um, and I think, you know, I think we tend to associate our pain with what we're doing. And that can, I mean, it is a factor, right? Like if you're sitting in a bad position in a bad chair uh, with terrible ergonomics, yeah, that's going to have an impact. Uh, but it's not the whole story. Yeah. And it's exciting to know that we have some kind of control. We actually do have some kind of control over this. If you're, if you're out there really suffering with a lot of pain right now, there's a lot of things that you can do um, that will reduce that to make it more bearable and even go away. I mean, I, I never thought that I would get rid of my back pain. Um, I had had a, uh, somebody rear-ended me in my car and that caused a lot of problems. And um, part of, you know, learning from you and uh, how it's all connected and doing all the right things, reducing my own levels of stress. It's like, I, I now have days that I do not have any pain. And I, I'm just like, wow, I used to have a big problem with headaches. And, and um, that I was just thinking the other day, I'm like, wow, I hardly ever take uh, pain medication anymore. And I was just thinking about that the other day. That's fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. That's, that's absolutely are, amazing. 
You're amazing. <laughs> I want people to, to find you and read all your stuff because I know it's really good. <laughs> Thank you. I, I turn that right back to you. I think you're amazing. And I think, I think that's the thing too, that I really want to encourage people to understand is like, I'm, I'm here and I will share as much of the information that I have uh, with people. And I love to research, like I said, and share things. Um, but this, you know, this really comes down to the individual. And I think that that's so empowering that we have that ability to heal ourselves in a society that really has structured it to kind of put healing in the hands of people with white coats and, and degrees, right? So it's like, uh, we've been kind of cultured to go to the doctor and we trust them. And that person is responsible for the healing that will take place for us. And I don't think that that's really true. I think, um, I was just reading this the other night and I'm so sorry. I don't remember where it was or what I was reading or what I heard. Or I don't remember, but somebody mentioned the democratization of healthcare that's happening right now. And I just loved that term because it's like, it's, we are really putting healthcare in the hands of each individual, really empowering each person to, to be in a state of health and have the tools and the resources available within them. And I think that's such a great um, change that we're seeing at this time. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's amazing when you really take control over your own life and your own situation, how much you can make things better. Yeah, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, I would say, you know, if we're talking about pain as a function of stress and tension and anxiety that's going on within us, like we have so much, um, there's so much power there uh, as an individual to heal that. Like no one else can do that for us, right? Like you can't, it's kind of like food in that way. Like you can hire a personal trainer and a nutritionist, but you can't pay a nutritionist to eat the food for you. You yeah. still have to do the actual eating. I mean, you can have everything up until eating the food. You can have someone, you know, grocery shop, meal prep, you know, heat the food, put it on a plate, put it on the table, but you still have to be the one who sits down and eats the food. And I think that that's a good analogy for some of the neurological tools as well, because, um, you know, someone like me, I can give you, I can do all the meal prep and the grocery shopping and put it on the table, but it's, it comes down to the individual, which I really love. I, you know, I have pretty much my entire life been self-employed or running a business and I've never had great healthcare as a result. Like, I mean, I've never had great health insurance because that's just how our country is structured, which is weird. Um, so I have had to become self-reliant uh, and and kind of figure things out and find alternative ways because there were times when I didn't have the money to go to a doctor for things. And I'm not saying people shouldn't go to doctors, but you know, I would find my own herbal remedies or I would find this way or I would do the research or I would make sure before I went to the doctor that I was going to the right person rather than going to appointment after appointment after appointment with the wrong person because I didn't have the insurance to cover that. And I'm kind of grateful that I've had that experience because it really puts you in a place of feeling empowered around your own health and well-being. Yeah, you've learned a lot about about it. I love how you talk about like the the concept of discharging stored stress. Is that would you say that that's part of a tool that you use to calm the nervous system? Is that something separate? Are those two separate things or the same thing? It's, it's the result of tools. So the tools that I like to use are, you know, connecting people to their sensory information that's happening in this moment. And what that does 
is it sends something called non-nociceptive data to your brain. So non-nociceptive data is a neurological signal from your body that tells your brain, I am safe. It is safe here in my body. It is safe to move here. And so there are lots of tools, and I shared some of those on um, the, the presentation that we did for your group as well, um, but there, that's kind of the, the overarching principles. We always want to be bringing your body back to non-nociceptive data. And um, you know, one of the most simple ways that we can do that, and in, in terms of the discharging stress, let me address that first. Um, what happens when you get that non-nociceptive data in is that your, your nervous system reduces its threat level. It kind of goes from like red down to orange, down to yellow, you know, and, and kind of brings you out of your survival mode. Um, and so you're not in a state of looking for danger all the time or feeling like you're about to get eaten by a tiger. Um, or there's a, there's a guy's name is uh, Kyle Cease. He's a comedian. And I heard him say, you're functioning like you have a murderer in your brain, which I think is a really great way of putting it. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, the fight flight system in HSPs is so strong too. Yeah. So you're, you're basically living your whole life. And all of us, I mean, I think if you read the news right now, like it's impossible not to feel that way. And it's like, there's literally a person with a machete sitting in your brain. <laughs> that's yeah. how, that's how you're functioning. So as we bring your nervous system um, out of that state of survival, by sending that non nociceptive data, you're discharging that stress from your nervous system. Um, and as I was going to say, like one of the easiest ways to start doing that is simply to notice your environment. Because when you're in a state of survival, your eyes will get really, really pinpointed. And if you start to pay attention when we get to be around people again, <laughs> pay attention to what people's eyes do. Mm -hmm. And if you see people's eyes darting really fast, that person's probably in a state of stress, in a state of survival uh, on some level. And they may consciously be like, no, I'm fine today. But on some level, their nervous system is holding on to some activation because their eyes are kind of darting around and they're not taking in peripheral information. They're not in what we call social engagement. So the, excuse me, the first thing that we can do is to just let your eyes drift around your environment and allow them to softly land on anything that draws your attention. And that can be colors. It can be shapes. It can be things that are moving. It doesn't really matter. And you don't have to think anything about those things. Just allowing those things to draw your attention helps your brain to start notice that you're in this moment right now. Oh, love that. Now, are we, is there an amount of time that it's good to sort of focus on that? Like if I'm looking over at my cat or something, should I focus on that for a period of time or is it just seconds? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I think that um, I discourage somebody for like, setting a timer and being like, I need to do this for X amount of time because then your focus is on the time, mm -hmm. right? And I'd rather the focus be on, on you. And so with everything that I do for myself, I wait until I feel a shift. So this is something I say in my movement videos a lot too, is I don't count reps, right? Like I'll, I'd be like, eh, maybe 10-ish of these, but I might do eight on one side and 13 on the other. I don't know. I don't count them. Oh, you're because you're listening to your body. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm doing it until such a time as I feel a shift. And so that's what you're looking for. And this, it may happen in a second. It may take you 10 minutes. So 
when somebody comes in, when, you know, when I'm seeing clients, which I'm not doing right now, but when I do see clients, if they come in in that state and I notice that they're, um, they feel fragmented and scattered and like their attention is everywhere, but not here. And they're not, it, it kind of feels like they haven't fully arrived in the room, like their body came in, but they didn't come with their body. Um, I will have them do this until such a time as I see them come into their eyes, until such a time as they come into their body, their, the, the beingness of the person and their body are in the same room. Um, and for some people, depending on how much stored stress and tension and trauma a person carries in their body, which can be a lifetime's worth, or it can be several lifetimes worth because you can inherit that, um, this can take you know, 10 seconds, or we might spend 10 minutes on this. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is very good, especially for people that are kind of stuck at home right now. And um, you can do this in your home. <laughs> That's what's so beautiful about it. I even did, I remember this experience just the other day. I was, uh, I, I definitely try not to watch the news because it can create a lot of anxiety. Instead, just try to read enough to stay informed, but not visually watch. And I found myself watching something and I could feel my, the tension start to increase and the anxiety. And I just looked over at my cat and she was just looking so cute. <laughs> and it was like, I instantly felt myself calm down in that moment. Yeah. And there's actually some research around um, green space and nature that that has a, a profound effect on us as well. And that the, the research showed that the effect was the same, whether you actually saw trees and nature or you looked at pictures of trees and uh -huh. nature. So you can surround yourself with images. Like if you're stuck in a city and you don't have a lot of natural environment around you, you know, you can make it your screensaver on your computer or put a, a forest or a field of wildflowers as the background on your phone um, or, you know, hang a picture on the wall if you have that ability. And those actually do calm the nervous system. Um, this was a book and it's a really great book. It's called, I think it's called How Your Body Knows Its Mind. And she, the author whose name, unfortunately, I don't remember her name off the top of my head. I'll have to look that up later and send it to you. But um, the author referenced some research where they looked at people who lived in projects. I want to say it was in like Chicago or something like that. And the people who lived in buildings with views of nature had fewer instances of um, like domestic violence and, and other such calls to them than the ones who lived with views of like parking lots and other buildings and things yeah. like that. Even having a pl plant in your home. Like I love just... I was just this morning, in fact, focusing on this plant that I have and the, the leaf. It just looks so beautiful. <laughs> like even little things like that make a difference. Totally. Unfortunately, I'm terrible. I don't know what my deal is. I'm great with animals and I am really bad with plants. <laughs> I'm the worst. Well, we can be good at everything, Suki. <laughs> I, know. I, mean, I need someone to come and take care of my plants. Also, my cat eats all my plants. Like he is such a plant muncher. It's the worst. <laughs> I have to grow cat grass for my cats. <laughs> oh, I, sh I really, sh I used to do that and I've stopped. Just, I just got lazy. I need to start doing it again. <laughs> oh, I love it. So this, the act of this, what we're talking about can help discharge stored stress. Yeah, absolutely. Because it brings you into the now, right? And so every, the, this is what I was talking about at the beginning here with like 
we tend to connect our anxiety to like external circumstances. And yes, the world is doing crazy stuff right now. And it is, it is a weird place. I fully admit that. Um, but it brings you into, okay, but right now I'm okay. Yeah. And, and if you think about this, you know, if we were cave people living, I don't know, on the Serengeti, maybe, I don't know where cave people lived. I'm not an anthropologist, but, but if we were, you know, if we were living during that time, you know, the threat is always there that something's going to eat you. That's, that is just part of being alive. It's like you are always somewhere on the food chain and we've been really disconnected from that because of, you know, the the lifestyle that we live and the ability to be in houses and shut out, you know, poisonous bugs and things like that. But that, that was always present, but cave people could not possibly sit in their cave all day long and going like, what if the tiger comes? Oh my gosh. What about the tiger? Oh my gosh. What about the tiger? Because you would never go out and hunt or find berries or whatever. Um, you had to deal with stress when it was actually physically present. And then you either lived or you didn't. And if you lived, then you come back to a regulated state. But life has gotten so chaotic and so complex that we never have that time for stresses to pass. Yeah. And so when you bring yourself into the here and the now, it's like, okay, I'm fed, I'm warm, I'm dry. You know, there's a beautiful tree outside my window with some pink blossoms on it. Like, I'm okay right now. And the whole, you know, the whole global economy might disappear tomorrow, and, but that's tomorrow. Right. And right now I'm fed, I'm dry, I'm warm. And to keep doing that several times a day, right? If you need it, right. Like listening to your body, if it's, if you notice, and that's one of the things that's the gift of the HSPs is that we actually have a really wonderful awareness of ourselves when we're actually slowing down enough to listen to that awareness and to know it's like, Ooh, I'm starting to get a little frantic. My energy. I do that a lot because my I, I used to have a lot of anxiety, so it's always something that I pay attention to. And so I can feel, it's almost like a motor inside my body. It's like I can feel, oh, it's starting to get a little ramped up. Okay, I need to do some of, some of this you know, mindfulness stuff like you're talking about, really slow down and be like, okay, right in this moment, I'm doing this right now and it's okay. And, yeah, it's, and instantly you feel it. That's the superpower of the HSP, right? People who aren't aware, they struggle with this, but HSPs are like, oh, pay attention. Got it. Like, yeah, that's a skill I have. That's what I love giving HSPs tools because they're so good at using them. Like once they get given a tool, it's like they, they can do it really well. Yeah. So the only doubt, like the dark side of that is that, um, as an HSP, you can potentially get a little too connected to awareness of the um, uh, the, the nociceptive data, right? The, the pain signals mm-hmm. and, and the danger signals, right? Because we're really good at honing in on those as well. And we can see all the potential pitfalls. And so that's why, you know, looking around your environment is really helpful. And the other thing, I think I talked about this as well um, when we did the presentation for your group, but paying attention to things in your body that feel really good, positive sensations, mm-hmm. sensations that are pleasurable or, or even neutral sensations. And this is particularly if you have pain, because the more you pay attention to pain, the more it sensitizes you to it. And the more you are sensitized to pain and the more pain you feel, the more stressed your nervous system will be. It's a terrible loop. So the way that you break that loop is by paying attention to things that are not painful. And that can be um, things that you just feel in any given moment, like 
you know, actually putting your hand on your cat and petting your cat and really feeling the, the texture of the fur under your hand or the softness of your clothes against your skin or the movement of your breath. But it can also be things that you um, apply externally, like heat can be very comforting. Um, and I think heat is actually a really wonderful embodied tool during stress because heat is very soothing and very calming to us biologically, um, provided you aren't aggravating any inflammatory conditions or anything like that. Um, so that can be a wonderful thing to do. Uh, you can go barefoot on like a really soft, squishy carpet and really pay attention to the, the feeling under your feet of the pile of the carpet, you know, kind of rising up between your toes um, and really giving yourself what we call novel sensory input, new things to pay attention to. And that is also very soothing to the nervous system. Oh, I like that. I love that. That reminds me of like, a, I love like when I'm in the bathtub, just pour, I pour the water really slowly over my head and like the warm water. And it's just like the, the sensory feeling. This feels so good to me. Or just yesterday I had, I was outside on my porch and I had like the sun on my legs and I just felt so good. It was like that warming sensation, a little cool breeze. Those moments, it's like you really do feel good in those moments. Even if everything's falling apart around you, you can access those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And connecting to those moments puts you in a better place to deal with the things that you have to deal with, that we all have to deal with, with everything that is happening right now. We all have a lot, right? And it's going to require energy. So we're not in our usual patterns. We have to think more right now. We have to navigate the chaos and the uncertainty, which requires, it's like when you're on a trip in a place you've never been before. It takes more focus and concentration uh, to get where you're going than it does when you're driving to work every day because you know the route. You've been doing it for 10 years or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And when you think more, you burn more calories in your brain. It's so like, more, it's kind of like having a, thinking about it in terms of like a bank account. You have to keep contributing all this positive mindfulness stuff in order to have enough energy to to be able to handle everything that's going around on or around us. Yeah, exactly. That's a great analogy. And if you, if you're not in these regulated neural states, so if you don't do that work to bring yourself back into regulation, then you're going to see danger. You know, I mean, obviously there is real danger right now. Um, you know, we're, we're in a very real situation. And if you're in a state of neural activation, you're going to see danger where there isn't any. So there's some research that shows that people who are in like fight or flight, um, or in what's called dorsal vagal shutdown, which is another state of neural activation, um, can interpret the, the neutral facial expressions of others as angry or aggressive. And your hearing will actually shift to listen for low tone frequencies that are like predator sounds. So it actually changes your, your focus and what you're tuning into in your environment, which means that your environment is going to feel increasingly threatening. So the more you can connect to a non-threatening environment, the more you're in kind of a neutral place, which sets you up for um, more efficient and better navigation of, of all this uncertainty. Oh my gosh. I love this stuff. I love, I love learning about this stuff too and how it's like, what, how it impacts the brain and how the brain actually responds to it. All of everything that you're talking about. It's really fascinating. <laughs> I, it is really fascinating, and I think it's so it's so cool to learn about these things that can change um, the way we're perceiving reality. And like, 
this is just kind of like my, like what gets me into all this stuff is like the pain is kind of interesting. It's solved, you know, solving pain is interesting, but it's, it's the incredible journey that we get to go on to discover really how we've been living our lives. And pain is a, a great kind of wake up signal that allows us to sort of look at um, what's been happening to sort of direct us in, in ways, in, you know, in, in areas of our life that maybe we're not getting what we want or achieving what we want or being who we want to be like that distance between uh, or the tension between like who we want to be and how we're actually living our lives becomes really apparent and we can also start to understand why and I think from a very non-judgmental place which is um, I love personal development I really really do and I, I have a lot of issues with how much shame is put on people for like if you aren't you know, achieving the goals you set for yourself, then you're just not working hard enough, or you're not disciplined enough or whatever. And when we start to really understand this biology, it's like, well, actually, there's no possible way you could get from here to there, because your entire biology is geared to look for like, lava monsters and quicksand pits. Yeah. You know? So everything that, looks like it's going to kill you. <laughs> and that shows up when people are trying to communicate with each, their partner or their family member, right? If we're in a state of threat in our brain and having a conversation with our, our somebody in our home right now that will we actually can lose access to empathy when our oh, brain totally <laughs> and yeah we, we're actually hearing something different than what they're saying even we're taking it in in a totally different way oh totally I think this is I mean this is fundamental and I mean I'm certainly no relationship counselor but like you know if you're in a state if your nervous system is in a state of survival you are not connected to other people because when you're trying to run away from the saber-toothed tiger or the murder in your brain or whatever it is you are not thinking let's really have some empathy for this other person yeah. right now like that's just not it. no <laughs> no it's, <laughs> it's not in fact you know I'm, I'm sure you know this but from um polyvagal theory with stephen porges which kind of looks at the different activation you know for any of your listeners who don't know it looks at the different activation states of the nervous system and the one where we are the most regulated is called social engagement. You know, it's like we, we are, you know, connected to other people. We can have empathy and understanding and open communication. And that's, that's what happens when you're regulated is you're connected to your community and to your environment. When you're not regulated, you're not. So if you think about it from that standpoint, when you're not in a regulated state, it can sabotage your, your thinking, your focus, your creativity, all of your you know, interpersonal relationships, including friendships, romantic relationships, family relationships. Like this is, it's not just the ache in your shoulder anymore. Now that ache in your shoulder is, is like the, the check engine light on your dashboard. Telling oh, I you, like that. <laughs> you know, like, like there's, there's something really wrong in there. We can turn off the check engine light, but if, you know, if we don't actually fix the underlying issues, um, we're not really getting the changes that are going to set you up for what you really want in life. Because I don't think people, you know, I, I think pain is annoying, but I think what we really want in our lives is to feel fulfilled and to feel connected and alive and connected to ourselves and connected to other people. And it's, and everything that we're talking about is connected. That's what's amazing, right? And that there's some kind of control over this. I, I feel like I could talk to you for like hours. I, I love it. I love talking to you and you always give such great information. Um, and I'm wondering like, as we, um, we move towards the end of this, I want to, I want to see if there's anything that you want to sort of highlight, um, summarize, um, and what would you like to tell somebody that's listening right now? Well, I would really like to, um, 
to tell people that, that this is really a journey of self-discovery uh, and that there, I really love to say that there's no one right way. And I think we live in a culture that would like for us to believe or that sells us on the belief that there is, uh, you know, the simple three-step process or the 10-week program or the five-minute fix or whatever it is. And I think that all of those are, can be really good tools, but I'd love for people to really start doing the check-in with themselves and to figuring out, you know, what, what's working for you? What makes you feel better? Because that's where the true healing occurs. Um, and when we're looking at this from a neural regulation standpoint, which is what we've really been talking about throughout here, you know, like I said, you, you are the one who gets to regulate your own nervous system. And so a tool that worked for somebody else or the way that that tool was applied, that might've been um, the game changer for that person, but your way of applying it's a little bit different or your, uh, you know, your way of implementing, or maybe you need a different tool, or maybe you need some other pieces for that tool. So I really want people to, to know that if something's not working for them, if someone's method or you know, some protocol that they're following isn't quite reaching uh, what they want to achieve, they're not broken. So you know, you're, you're not broken. It's just that it might not be quite exactly what you need and that's okay. Yeah, listen, listen to your body, right? Listen to your body, check in with yourself, kind of pay attention to what is making you feel better, what makes you feel worse. Um, and you gave us some great tools in terms of being able to discharge our stored stress right now, which is so important, that uh, ability to be present, to focus on any bit of nature that we can right now. Um, if we're feeling that dysregulation to, uh, to start to focus on things in our environment right now. I love what you said about uh, novel sensory input, increasing more of those like sensory positives, like, we t like you shared, uh, if, whether it's petting your, one of your pets or uh, walking barefoot, uh, heat being soothing, thinking about things in a sensory way. Uh, anything else to add to that? I think that's a really great place to start. I think that's a lot. And I think um, the key there is really not to overcomplicate it. Like I used a lot of big words, you know, like <laughs> no, novel sensory input, non-nociceptive data and polyvagal theory. And, you know, I mean, I can rattle off the big words, um, but it's really simple in, in practice. Like you said, barefoot, you know, heat. Uh, feeling, I love what you said about feeling the sun on your skin or the, the feeling of the water being poured over your head. I love that. Just really connecting to what's, what you're feeling. And I mean, that, that is a little bit of an interesting linguistic one because feelings in English are both emotions and sensations. Mm -hmm. So when I say feeling, I'm talking about the, the sensation yeah. in your body. Sensory I think, sensation. Yeah, that's key is really, it's when we say feeling, it's the sensation, not necessarily the emotion. Emotions can have sensations, but we're talking about what you're actually feeling in your body. Even like massaging your arms with lotion. And I mean, there's so many things that we could do right now. I even find myself um, really just pausing and enjoying food like extra like this. I'm, I've been focusing a lot on what can I enjoy sensory wise right now? And, mm -hmm. and that yeah. gives me those moments of joy and those moments of pleasure, really pausing and, and allowing yourself to feel that really good sensory experience in, in mm -hmm. whatever it is for you. And I love that you're sharing that because that's something we can all do. 
Yeah. And food is such a wonderful one because um, it does, you know, when you get food in your body, it switches you to that more relaxed social engagement, um, you know, place in your, in your nervous system. And I mean, we could probably do a whole, you know, hour podcast just on, on food and, and the dynamics of that, but really connecting with food is something I also love to do. Yeah. Oh, this is such good stuff. I, I really encourage you all to, um, check out Suki's website too. Do you want to share how people can find you and yeah. what they might find when they find you? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I hang out over at wholebodyrevolution.com. It's all one word. And you can also find me on social pretty much anywhere. It's at Suki Baxter. Um, right now I'm on YouTube a lot. I've got a lot of videos that are coming out. So that's youtube.com yeah, forward slash Suki Baxter. And I also have an upcoming um, video series that is free that I would love to offer to your audience. It's called Pain Free at Any Age. And it goes um, more deeply into a lot of the neurological and the neural regulation stuff that I talked about here. And your audience can get that um, over at wholebodyrevolution.com forward slash HSP. Oh, that's wonderful. And how generous of you to be offering that. And I'm going to put this in the show notes too, if anybody wants to be able to just click on it to your website and all of this. Suki, oh, it's always such a pleasure to talk with you. I, I think you have such great information. We should do this again sometime soon. I think that people can really benefit from what you offer, and uh, you have such a great focus on – I really think that HSPs are going to especially in, uh, appreciate your information. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and I just – I love talking about this. So, yeah, I'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah. And thank you, Suki. Thank you for everything that you're doing in the world and everything that you offer. And you're a very special human offering a lot of really valuable um, support to people that, I mean, it's life changing to be able to help people move through the world with less pain, to be able to connect more to their bodies, to um, explore and learn more about their bodies and the whys. And I know we're going to have HSPs looking up the big words that you used because <laughs> we have a lot of uh, HSPs. We love to deep dive into learning about things. So definitely you're going to find so much great information on Suki's, on Suki's uh, website. So again, thank you, Suki. I love talking with you. Um, and I, I, I just really want to thank you for everything that you've shared today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And for uh, anyone that's interested in, in, in uh, being able to watch the video that we did with Suki and my sensitive empowerment community uh, and to check out my resources, you can go to sensitiveconnection.com. So thanks for listening, everyone. And please share this episode if you found it helpful because I think it will help a lot of people. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon.